Welcome everybody to Campaigns Concoctions, where we are a bunch of blustering brutes who like to drink and play TTRPGs. Uh, thank you, as always, for joining us on this adventure of cooperative storytelling. Uh, if you want to join us in our real-life things, you can chat with us on the Discord, in the Instagram. Um, we are becoming more and more thriving on the Discord server. Uh, there's been a lot of chatters about drinks. A lot of our Discord members are posting their drinks. They're really dope. Um, but you can click the link in the show notes. I can continue the trend of me pointing down that you cannot see. <laughs> uh, uh, is there... What's that? Is that at least I know where it is now? Yeah, it's down. It's down. Um, I don't have anything to, to pitch. Does anyone got anything? Because I, I forgot to ask beforehand. Nope. Nope. Go see John at Hey Kiddo. Yep. We're going to have a new drink menu in just a few weeks. And tonight I will be debuting a few of the drinks that I am submitting. They're not on the menu yet, but the, I am submitting them for the menu. And then also, I know that he doesn't listen because there's no possible way. But Matt's partner's dad is having a birthday this weekend, which is why Matt is not here. So happy birthday to him. I'm just putting the energy out in the universe because I know he ain't listening. 75th birthday. Pretty yeah. impressive. I don't think I'll live that long. So kudos. I'm surprised I've made it this far. So um, uh, with that being said, though, is um, what are we drinking, friends? Go on ahead and go first, Jared. Um, so I visited a bar in California. Actually, it was a distillery plus bar. Um, and he made a really awesome um, cucumber martini with um, some uh, with Genepi and Nonino. So it gave it like a really herbal. Nice. Um, it was pretty inst like just a cool idea. Um, and so I kind of played off of that. Um, so this is two ounces of gin. Um, like a quarter of an ounce of a French ginger liqueur called Domaine de Canton. That's my best guess. <laughs> uh, and then uh, it was a half ounce of um, yellow chartreuse. Domaine de Canton. And quite a bit of, um, I don't know, two inches of cucumber muddled into the drink. Came out pretty nice. Yeah, it's very tasty. Very light, very refreshing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've got a drink that does not as yet have a name, and I'll be probably trying to get the guys here to help me name it tonight. Well, it's a good thing I made that list. Yeah, it's a good thing. Um, so what I did was I infused mezcal, a nice Yovan mezcal. I infused it with guavas, fresh guavas. Um, what this did was it uh, basically is like, I did a cold infusion, so it basically gave a little bit of a, um, of a wash to the, to the liquor itself. Um, the added sugars from the guava, uh, take a bit of the smokiness and the sharpness off of the mezcal. Um, so I did an ounce and a half of guava infused mezcal, um, three quarters of an ounce of grapefruit juice, a half ounce of, of, uh, Aperol, and a half ounce of Cointreau. Um, it's sort of a play on a Paloma. I did uh, double strain it and serve it up uh, with a uh, grapefruit twist. Um, but what I will say is it is not bitter and tart like a grapefruit normally would be or like grapefruit would normally make a drink. It's very smooth and sweet, but it's got the flavors of the grapefruit without as much of the bitterness of the grapefruit that you would normally get. I think it's a really interesting cocktail that brings out very specific flavors within the guava, the grapefruit, and the mezcal. 
brings him right to the front and almost kind of buries a lot of what you would consider elbows and sharp edges on It's amazing all of that those. you get that much grapefruit flavor without any of the of the, the bitterness yeah, yeah. and the bitterness mm-hmm. out of there. Like like I don't get any of the, the citrusy nature right. of it, but I get like the grapefruit essence. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. Yeah, I think I'm pretty happy with it. Would be amazing. What's that? <laughs> like in a like, a like an ice like a slushy yeah you're probably right it probably would be really good like that you blend it and i'm like i just want to sit on a beach somewhere yeah for sure oh, it's, <laughs> it's for sure a hot weather cocktail which is why it probably won't end up on the menu we're going into fall but i am pretty proud of it especially since i, I i've only theory crafted it before right now this was the first time i actually mixed the ingredients together so we'll come up with a name for it um today all right I was gonna say summer sands. Hmm. I like both of those. We'll we'll workshop it on the break. Um, yeah. Also, there's one more caveat I do have to put out there. Unfortunately, there's someone in the neighborhood at CNC HQ who cannot seem to have their car alarm not going off. It's just some sort of weird ambience we're gonna have to deal with as we play tonight's game. So thank you for your patience when it comes with that. Um, but any alibis? Has anyone got anything else? Are we good? All right. So, with all of that, the last time that we met, the party finished their shop at Frankie's and then eventually slowly made their way through the city with L pointing things out here and there, here and there, and then um, making the way to um, Grace, the restaurant on the dock, where uh, a delicious meal had been had, a little bit of hijinks ensued, and then uh, they began to return to the manager's, the building that the manager owns. I believe we left off as everyone was walking into the building, making plans for the next day, which included L wanting to go see his mother, and then something about Skjald looking for a loot. I was like, we left off at sunrise because Sark came off the top of the building. There we go. That's Oh, that's right. Sark had a thing. I forgot about that. My brain. One other side note is we talked about brunch with Frankie for um, Patrice after we returned. You asking Frankie to go to brunch at some point. Um, yeah, we didn't. I, Frankie was never part of the conversation. No, no, for- I know. You were, you were planning ahead to ask Frankie. Yes. Can I just say the like... 15-year-old elf girl giving relationship advice is by far one of the funniest things I think I've ever heard. And a pirate. Uh-huh. Right. <laughs> That's the best I got here, guys. Sorry. Right. No, it was just as I was re-listening to it, I was like, that character is way too young to have any idea what's actually supposed to happen in relationships. We're not talking about relationships. We're talking right. about brunch. <laughs> I mean, other than Sid, there were no good options. <laughs> Sid wasn't there. <laughs> Sid was detained. You got you got the better of the four options if, with Sid gone. <laughs> so, sunrise. The sun is rising over the Hill Hazy Lagoon. Um, it's quite a spectacular view. As you look over the water, there's... As you look towards the east... There is, and I described it last time, but there's just kind of slightly in the distance, this kind of like 
hazy brownish gray bump that sits in the middle of the lagoon. And you've been told that is the Karaster Atoll. That is the de facto capital of the syndicate where you guys are you're at. And as the sun rises, it sparkles over the lagoon. And for those of you, if anyone is exiting the building at this point, you would you could look to the west and just see that reflection and sparkle just kind of dazzle you as it looks across the kind of like goldish windows that seem to be the standard of these skyscrapers along the, the water um, and the wharf. So as the sun rises, the day is yours. What would the five, but really six of you like to do? I'm going to wait till it's not right after sunrise to uh, go see his mom. I, I assume Elle's still sleeping. Yeah, probably. Surprisingly, Shark just went to bed. Huh. It do be like that sometimes. Anyone um, else? I'm probably just lounging around mostly, to be honest. Okay. So you have been directed to, there's, there's a space within the, um, kind of that like fifth, sixth floor down from the top where you guys have been bunkered, bunked. Um, there is a pretty nice lounge that is kind of set up. There's nothing spectacular, right? But there's, you know, different, you know, coffee devices and teas and, um, some, you know, just little light pastries and fruits that have been set out for you with a spectacular view of the water. That's probably where I'm hanging out. I'm probably drinking some coffee and having a smoke and looking at the view and eating like an egg sandwich or something like that. Eggs and bacon, you know, as one does. Eggs and uh, bacon, wakey, wakey. That's right. Uh, I've probably got another couple days on my stuff being done, right? On my uh, armor. It, yeah. Just as a reminder, your characters would remember this, but you you guys may not. There is an invitation to go to um, not Bridgehold, um, Bergheim, and uh, to go see Prosperin and the Lord Richter. Yes. As I'm well, expecting everybody to congregate in this room at some point yeah. so that we can head over there. I feel like there's also probably a coffee maker that is way too complicated in there that I'll put together. Oh but yeah, I was I was it. about to describe that. It is uh, very much copper tubing. Um, mm. It looks like uh, scientific beakers. Yeah, but it makes some of the best coffee you've ever had. There's a uh, there's a rudder wheel from a ship, but it's small. It's like eight inches across, but perfectly a rudder wheel made out of copper on the front of it. No one knows why. There's a there is a 35 page instruction manual that is right next to it that L has written, and then right it's next all, to that all like is the, yeah. But the, right next to it is the single page instruction that someone else has written. Right, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's like 14 font. <laughs> Turn this dial. Turn this right. dial. And you're good. Right. You'll get coffee. I don't know why or how, but you'll get coffee. 
So L, as we've decided, it's not really. We're not. We're just gonna kind of. You go to your mother's. We're not gonna role play this, which is good because I don't feel like playing a mother tonight. Um, Pretty valid, fair. And uh, just tell us, kind of, just trying to give us a little bit of a what's happening, like what you're doing and um, what it is you were trying to achieve. Uh, it's not really anything in particular. He's it's basically just the like, I'm in town. I know I'm going to get in trouble if I don't check in while I'm here. Right. Because she'll find out somehow. Yeah. Um, It'll be bad. Give a heavily edited version of what we've been doing. Okay. Are you going to... Yeah. Basically just try to get leave enough in to explain why we are independently wealthy now. Without going into the fact that we've killed a fuck ton of people already. <laughs> Met a few things from a few planes, been to a few other planes. <laughs> yeah. Try to tell a good story without freaking your mom out. <laughs> That's why I did. I just didn't tell my mom those stories. Um. <laughs> Do you get your smarts from your mom or dad? Uh... I probably get some of my sports from my mom, but not the same kind. Okay. Does, does she get, is she like, my mom's very perceptive uh, and will read between the lines. Is your mm. mom like that? <laughs> like no matter how good you try and not describe it, she can kind of go like, he's into some shit. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if Elle would be aware of that, but Sark like went with him waves at mom and then just like leaves. <laughs> it's like, nope, I'm not sticking around for this. Yeah, I don't know if Elle would know that. Hmm. He's, he's not the perceptive one. <laughs> oh, I would leave. There you go. I had a list of books. But he would probably also check in and see if there's anything if there's anything that she she needed or wanted to get but hadn't, um, you you she will inform you that, and she doesn't really you know she she definitely doesn't question why, but you can get the sense that it was kind of right around that time when you kind of took on that that additional role, as working directly for the manager, that um, things started kind of being better for her. So she seems, she tells you about, you know, once a week, a, someone comes in and makes sure she gets all of her groceries, gets anything that she needs throughout the week. So, uh, she says the only time that she doesn't get something is if it's a little bit spendy and then she, she, she would, you know, just want to, you know, spend some time with you shopping at some point, but she understands that you're busy. I'll, I'll let her know that I'm going to be. We got we got to make her run to make an errand somewhere else, and then we're coming back here for a little bit. Okay. So probably do something then. You know, she does a typical mother thing, but yeah, you're good. So cool. Yeah. Spend an hour or two there. So I think um, I'm going to say I find Scald. Mm -hmm. That's all right. Um, kind of sitting down, right? Yeah. Okay. 
Teresa's oh. sitting next to him. Also, he's, you know, he's doing his as little thing. As we're drinking our coffee, Scald just occasionally, surreptitiously pulls a flask out, opens it, and just tops up their coffees <laughs> with <laughs> with some some rum. There was whiskey in that in that flask. <clears throat> that one. Nice. <laughs> this city, something else, huh? It is something else. It is indeed. How are you feeling, by the way? You doing good? I'm not young, but this city makes me feel even older. Like, yeah, I keep up with the times. I feel that deep in my bones, my friend. <laughs> deep, deep in my bones. I've not leaned this hard on my Warhammer since the last real hard battle I fought. <clears throat> You've got like some gadgets and gizmos built into you, huh? Some stuff like uh, what L does. Somewhat kind of like what L does, but also different. Um, okay. Not not as um, not as sophisticated. Sophisticated. Yeah. Okay. Going with refined. It's a little bit yeah. more. I was there. <laughs> it hurt when it went in. Like it's I mean, not it looks a pleasant. Like it. Yeah. Like. Took, took some time to heal over, you know, and like pulls down just yeah. to like reinforce. Like, yeah. it, there's It's scarred around where like the vials of the dragon blood are um, put in. What is it? What, what changed after they installed it? Installed, that's a good word. Yeah. Yeah. She, um, a pulls a little um, pool of acid in the palm of her hand and like takes the coffee stirrer she has in her coffee and melts, melts it. it. Oh. <laughs> and so yucky. I can't physically do it, but Skell can. Skell just kind of Spock like lifts one eyebrow and is like, that's interesting. Yeah. So pretty, pretty much everything changed. I mean, I, I'm still who I was, but just a whole different skill set became available, available to, to me. Do you ever think about having Al or Al's people fix the limp so you wouldn't have to use the uh, Warhammer? I know that would be possible, if it is possible. Also, it comes with the territory of the age. I don't... I don't think I need to hide or change the. Oh, I'm not saying you I need am. to. I'm not saying you need to no. by any stretch. I mean, you if, keep up if, just fine. If it becomes yeah, a hindrance, yeah, maybe. I've not seen you fall behind as yet, so I'm not particularly yeah, if, worried about if it. it. I just meant for comfort problem, reasons, you know. We'll, we'll look into it. Yeah, like a an assistive knee component. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. We got a techno wizard. Medical magic has come a long way in the last couple of decades, you know, so. We're like, and you, if you needed to, this would be the place to find it. I feel like that is wildly accurate. <laughs> like, yeah, totally. more than accurate. When, when, and when L finally rolls out of bed, maybe that would, you know, we're not gonna tell you what to do. Yeah, not a bad idea to bring it up if, yeah. if you want to, I'm sorry. Like, he, he probably knows, like, that like that's probably a very specific subset of alchemists 
to be able to, you know, prosthetics. Gadget it's, wizards. Yeah, wizard. You know. Yeah, gadgety, gadgety, magically tied on things. Not, not to change subjects, but what do you think of Lord Richter's offer and going to Bergheim? I wish you go. Like work for his daughter. Else, yeah, let's go today. Today, when we get the when we get the whole band together, we'll right. we'll go we'll check con- it out. Contact Prosperin. Yeah. yeah. All right. I mean, worst case scenario, they have a job for us. Best case scenario, they have money for us. You know, like it's it's kind of a win-win. Yeah, they are what some if... powerful, holy fuck, powerful big beings. Yeah. There's a few of those around. Yeah. We're no slouches ourselves anymore. Yeah, we're not too shabby. But... Oh, you think that's yours, huh, Carl? With, um... Like, anything associated with somebody with such great power has to come with such great consequences. You know what I mean? Like, there's just... Like, the stakes are so much higher around a being like that that I have to assume that, like, you upset the wrong person... You're on the wrong side. There's just more risk being around that much power. Why Why do you think it's more risk? I just feel like power attracts power and they buy for it. And the powerless are powerless to stop anyone from doing anything to them. It's all the same risk. We see it as a greater risk because they have more stuff. And they have a name. I don't... But you have a name within your neighborhood. Is... Yeah. Is Patrice talking about more risk as far as to themselves or also to... Actually thinking about my own managers In the manager's case, his whole city. I'm saying whether it's a family of three or a mafia of a thousand... You fuck around with the wrong people, bad things happen. You get too high above your perceived station, people want to undo you. It's all the same risk. It's just relativity at that point. It's no start- greater risk. I, I'm start- starting to, to pick up what you're putting down. Uh, I also, it's it's way outside of my expertise to, to live at the edge of... Fuck, that was good. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, to live so close to to death, and um, you're not I, used to that. No, oh, this weird. is this okay. is relatively new to me. Now I get why you. So think that's it's what a I'm saying. Risk. Like, yeah, yeah, it that's seems fair. That's like fair. Yeah, yeah. you know, I I, I I got a lot of things I, I you know I want to do. But and, realistically, you know. I mean, if you had pissed off the wrong person in Haven, in the wrong ways, if you had. You know, gotten involved in the wrong situations with the wrong people, you, your life could have been at risk well, there too. True. Yeah. Well, yeah, it could have. But I also, you know, I had a lot of a lot of cousins. Sure. A lot of uncles. Sure. So what? They'll kill hey, them my back? aunt. Oh my god. So they'll they'll, <laughs> they'll, they'll, they'll kill them back the if somebody mafia? kills you. I mean, I felt pretty safe around around my extended family in Haven. I didn't. I you know. I, I'm a relatively polarizing person. I kind of, I don't think a lot of people would have fucked around and found out with me. Now, this may sound very strange, coming from me in particular. Okay. But revenge doesn't bring anybody back. 
So if somebody were to kill you, yeah, they'd probably get killed by your aunts and uncles and stuff, right? But that doesn't bring you I back. will neither confirm nor deny, yeah, but yeah, I yeah, will shake some part of my body. <laughs> Are you shaking your dick? All the time. Okay. It's like a divining rod telling me what to do. You and me both. Right? <laughs> Especially recently. Thank you. Right? right? How was that? Uh, it didn't go up and down. It was up the whole time. <laughs> I like to hear that. Yeah. And I'm proud of you. Yeah. So. <clears throat> but. Just remember, numbers don't matter. Yes. So, I, I'm... I'm a little less worried about going to Berkheim now. I, I kind of agree with you. I think that there's relatively inherent risk in everything that we do. And kind of, you know, let's let's fuck around and find out and see what's happening. Yeah, why not, right? As as you say, there is, there is uh, just kind of inherent risk in everything you do. You hear the deep voice of the manager pop up and say, well, look, there is one person who can give you an idea of what real risk is it's that it's him and as you walk as you watch him float in um you see scald and um l behind him sark and l yeah sark and l god damn it why do you guys have to pick such similar names i always do that because i don't want the full name to come out (laughs) but um and they, he didn't have anything like he did not have you come see see them Sark and L. It was just a happenstance meeting as the two two of you were coming in to the to the lounge. And he says he looks at the the six of you and says, "I just wanted to see you this morning um, before anything happened to see if there was anything that I could provide you information, gear, things like that." Um, Sorry to have interrupted what seems to be a fairly heavy conversation, but uh, I hope that uh, things are going well for you in my city. Going pretty well for uh, all of us, very well for Patrice. Patrice blushes <laughs> as much as a as much as his tanned face can. Yep. Would you have a method for us visiting Berkheim that would not include our ship since they're supposed to be on shore leave for the next several days? Well, there's a few options. We can make arrangements for someone who can use a teleportation circle. Um, We have a circle... Um, I just don't have anyone on my staff right now that has the ability to to cast that particular spell. Um, there is also the option of you to use my airship. Sarge's just going to look at everyone else and be like, we did tell the crew they get like two or three days here. We've got plenty of coin in our pocket. Let's... Uh... Find a wizard to send us there. Didn't Prosperin tell us? Didn't Lord Richter tell us to just contact Prosperin? We do know she can teleport. There's a there's a circle in the in sure. the boat. There's also one here. Or do you not? Yeah. Do you not want to ask Prosperin? <laughs> she doesn't <laughs> seem like your typical call girl. 
I'm very reluctant after the last time that I called her with something mildly interesting. I would much rather take my boss's boat than bother prospering to be a taxi service. How long is the journey, Sark? Uh, <laughs> on an airship, it would probably be about six hours. Oh, that's not bad. Give us time to practice that uh, that new instrument of yours. I mean, teleportation is about six seconds. Correct. There is that. Yeah. Just you also remember that teleportation circle requires someone who, to have seen the teleportation circle that you were transporting someone to. Well, that might yeah, be Prospero seen it. But I'm, uh, I'm assuming there's some service in Tinkermare that is based purely on wizards or people who can cast teleportation. Who's expensive, but roll a history check. One thing we have is money, money. and that would. That would be an advantage because it's for a magical thing. Uh, that's well over 20. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, Math rocks. So 24. So your answer, the answer to that question would be a yes. Um, they, you would know um, of a place. Um... You know, even when I have lists of names of spaces of places prepared for you guys, you always throw something at me that I right. don't have a name for. Right? <laughs> yeah. Like, how yeah. do you create the name of a magical taxi service when you're not ready for a magical taxi fucking service? It's El Kiki's. Duh. It's clearly name. Kiki's. <laughs> Killing me. I would rather have it be, um, what was the name of the pirate gang in the Castle Sky? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what was it called? Yeah, I guess Kiki's is definitely more of a, like, package delivery system. <laughs> We're just the package, man. Right? That's all we are. You have to work with Kiki's before you can work with the other ones. Right, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Sark's like, I've already popped out of one box, I don't want to pop out of another. <laughs> Kiki's does not deliver live goods under any circumstances. So you know any live goods transported. So you know of a place called Evan Shapers. And it is a space that can reliably transport you to most places within the syndicate, a few places within the Nicodiac expanse, but nothing else. Hmm. So it's basically it's it's limited to about four thousand miles within the uh, the the continent of Seacand, which is what you're on right now, um, and it is very pricey. Um, you're looking at fifty platinum a person. <sighs> now, granted, I know for you guys that's not no big deal, but that you know that is price that is pricey. Crazy. That's like as much money as a peasant in some places will see in their lives. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. L, do you think that place could get us all the way to Bergheim? That does cover Bergheim too, right? Possibly. Okay. They might just have a 
generalized syndicate location. As as you would know, L, the biggest issue with Bergheim and the plateau in general is that it's only existed in this plane of existence for about twenty years. Oh. So it it popped out of its pocket dimension that the Lord Richter created for it about 20 years ago when the stories of the kind of this this the, you've heard the rumors of a secret cabal of leaders who were trying to do something in the syndicate and some of the people that worked for the Lord Richter were the ones who ended the threat at least that's the rumor mill so that's how they came about was about 20 years ago as it popped up into its current location I mean we can go ask they cover most places I've always kind of wanted to use them now that we got now that I have the money to yeah I mean if not we wait an extra hour hour and a half before we start our journey on the matter of your ship Look, the whole point to having money is doing shit you wanted to do when you didn't have money. Just saying. Okay, let's go check them out then. All right, well, head out. All right, well, uh, right there then, as you guys... uh, Exit the the lounge. The manager sends you on his way, uh, or sends you as you go on your way. He sends you with good tidings and hopes that he'll see you again here soon. Um, he says that your rooms will be left for your exclusive use uh, for the foreseeable future. Um, and then he he exits back up towards his office. The six of you exit the manager's building to head off, and that's where we'll take our first break for the evening. And then we will pick up with purchasing um, travel to Bergheim in just a few moments. everybody to campaigns concoctions where we just found out that matt is having to live vicariously through our discord server so he can uh have good drinks uh what are we drinking you go first jared i didn't make anything curtis made a drink oh that's right hold on let me pull up this my bad all right i made i was gonna make a whiskey sour with um some uh, I made like a I made a plum syrup. It's not actually plum though. It's something else. It's like green plum cots. Oh, plum cots, yeah. Plum cots. So I took four uh, green plum cots and mixed it with some Demerara simple syrup, uh, and added a little bit of salt, a little bit of citric acid to it to kind of brighten it up. And um, I took about three quarters of an ounce of that instead of a full ounce because I know that Dustin doesn't like things too sweet usually. And then I added an ounce of lemon juice, and then I added two ounces of the Laws um, bourbon, four the grain, the purple one. Women Select Series. 
yeah, it's good bourbon. <laughs> and then I shook the hell out of it, and then I uh, put it over some small cubes, and uh, put an orange twist on it, and then garnished it with some dragon fruit. And the name, I think, would be... Ooh. Let's call it... Uh, a Serious Affair. Nice. I also made a cocktail. Um, I would say that it's based on a margarita, to be honest. Uh, it is a split-based cocktail, but it is very, very heavily influenced uh, by the margarita. Um, and it is entirely based on my favorite memories and experiences uh, during the month that I spent in South Korea. So um, it's got gin, it's an ounce of gin, um, and an ounce and a half of Korean melon-infused soju. Um, three quarters of an ounce of lychee liqueur, uh, three quarters of an ounce of um, yuzu, uh, shaken, dirty dumped into a double rocks glass with a Korean chili powder and salt rim, and garnished with a, uh, a lychee on a pick. Um, it's very light and refreshing. It's got it is it does not taste like it has the amount of alcohol in it that it does real and it's it's not a super high abv cocktail but it's got an ounce of pretty high proof gin yeah in there. like it it doesn't taste like there's much alcohol it, in it, it but tastes like it tastes like fruit punch did um, you ever have those like lychee sodas at the ramen place morgan no i did not Oh yeah, yeah. It tastes kind of like a ramyun. Yeah, uh -huh. yeah. It, not quite as sweet, but it's very on par with yeah. that, the rum. Yeah, well, that's the melon that they use in the the one that's just labeled melon is Korean melon. Mm -hmm. um, they don't call it melon because it's a Japanese brand, um, but uh, <laughs> or they don't call it Korean melon, I should say. But uh, um, this cocktail is named after my favorite K-pop stars uh, breakout album. This is called the coup d'etat. Mm. Yeah, uh, that was gonna, <laughs> I was like, I will let you put the name on it because I'm like, I don't want to spell that right now. You know, in Canada, right. they call Canadian bacon ham. No, I don't they're know. They're weird. weird. They probably call Super it something weird. else in Korea, right? Also, probably. There, I think, I think we found our question for this episode. Name the K-pop group that 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 album came from because I have no idea. <laughs> So. I think I might be the only one here. Possibly, that. that is that is a distinct <laughs> possibility. And the only reason I know that is because of John. Yeah, I don't, I'm not. I don't listen to K-pop. About the only thing that I listen to music-wise that comes from Asia is um, heavy metal bands that are female-fronted that make no sense, like baby metal. Like it makes no sense, and it's hilarious, and it pisses people off. So that's why I like it. <laughs> really good too. More they than really are. Piss people off. Yep. All right. So, as the six of you exit the building, um, L, I need you to uh, let's go ahead and just roll a D100 for me, please, to see how hard these uh, directions for you to, are going to be. 52. Okay. So, you, you have a pretty good solid idea of where this is. You know that this place is going to be in the north end of town up near Camp Ferocity. 
which is the headquarters of the Tinkermarian Foreign Legion. And as you get closer and closer to the walls of Camp Ferocity, um, the buildings get a little further apart. They are a little bit... Well, let's just say that they're a little bit more uh, guarded and protected because the dudes, a lot of the people that, that work for the Legion are not always the best people that they're, that you could possibly find. So, and it takes you about about 45 minutes to get up there uh, to walk, but it's a you know pretty pleasant walk as you get up there. You pretty much are walking along the, um, the coast of, of the lagoon. The whole time, the, the temperature is slowly rising. It's getting comfortable. Um, you're just chatting. L's still kind of doing his we- his really weird tourist guide thing. That's a thing. That's a thing. That's a thing. You know, it's just this restaurant. I shop there. That place kind of cool. Yeah, that's about it. Like that's what you're getting from L. But at least he's pointing stuff out, right? Yeah. Every once in a while, there's probably something of like, this person got arrested there. <laughs> they have no idea who it is. Only Sarkin I know, but <laughs> not not anybody major, just somebody that we know that got arrested. <laughs> As you get closer to the to your destination, that you guys can see the the walls of Camp Ferocity kind of rise up above you. They, they are pretty solid stone walls, um, and you can see uh, members of the Legion just kind of patrolling the walls. Um, L takes you on a, just kind of takes a quick sharp left turn down a, a, a road, and you come to, it's, the, the best way to describe this is, you know, you're driving down and kind of like like one of those old roads that are that have become like a major thoroughfare. They're like you know split and everything. But at one point they used to have houses. Like think of like Broadway north of downtown Englewood, right? You know. And then all of a sudden you see one of those houses that has a tarot reading sign. <laughs> and so you see as you walk up, you see kind of a flickering sign that's kind of like you know that neon that's flashing. And it says, Ebon Shapers, we get you from here to there. That's such a good name. So you you walk up, um, you the door is the door opens, you hear that traditional ding, which is a little low tech for the type of people you're expecting. And sitting at a desk there in the front room is just kind of this um, begrudged appearing halfling just kind of sitting there they obviously don't want to be here they're they're just they're here to collect the paycheck right and welcome to evans shapers we can get you from here to there how may i help you oh hi hi my name's patrice these are my friends yeah i don't really care Oh, oh, okay, okay, okay. You're more of a brass tax type of halfling guy. Okay, so we're trying to get to Bearkheim, 
Is that something you can help us do? We have so much money. <laughs> not, <laughs> not out loud. You watch as, as they reach down and they lift up this huge tome. Like, it looks like it's the size of, like, a fairly solid PC, right? One of those, the big custom jobs, right? And, thunk, and they open it up and they, they start flipping through it, flipping through it, flipping through it. Roll my dice. Cool, cool, cool. They're flipping through it, flipping through it. And he says, well, yes, we do have one location in Bergheim. It is located... Oh. In where's my phone? We are so lucky, Sid. Let's let's wait and see where it is yeah. located in the Dark Hall archives. That sounds like the perfect perfect place for L to go. Oh man, <laughs> fantastic! Like, do you, is this something you do for us, or do is there somebody else? Is it just you? Is this your shop? What have you been doing today? Are you tired? Will you stop talking, please? <laughs> Please give me a moment while I go consult with our wizards. And he he hops down off his stool and goes through a door. Um, and he comes back with a um, I don't want to say shady looking, but um, kind of like we'll say run down looking um, drow elf. Or Drow Wizard, I should say. Drow Elf is kind of redundant. Um, and um, he just looks... He looks like he has uh, ridden life hard for a while. And he kind of leans heavily on the on the desk. So, you want to go to Bergheim. Patrice uh, greets him in the most formal under common manner i don't know what that would would be like but it's probably something along the lines of like hey, we're all here and it's a fine type of place i guess you can just speak in common please oh I, i'm sorry i i figured that okay so yeah we're looking to get to bearkheim uh is that something you can do for us that's gonna be 450 platinum pieces please Oh, okay. Um, For all I, of you, right? Six? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, all six of us. One, two, yeah, six. All right. So I hand him uh, 450 oh. platinum out of my pouch. I start counting and I kind of like get bored of it and I kind of push a little extra in there to just kind of give it. I give about 600 platinum to the tiny person. What does he what does he do when I hand him extra money? He hands it back. The extra back. Oh, it's nice to meet an honest person. Thank you. Do do we need to do anything? Do I need to like breathe or do I need to like put my arm like is there is what's the procedure? You gotta stand on one foot and spin in a circle. <laughs> That's really okay, hold on. You you watch you watch as the drow was getting ready to say something and his head turns to L. And there's a little glint in his eye as he makes eye contact with L. He's like, you get it. You get it. <laughs> I want Sartre just to start doing pirouettes behind L. <laughs> like, a, like a ballet dancer. Like uh -huh. a proper ballet yeah, dancer. And they're, and they're 
and they're mechanical and perfect. So he, the the drow, um, kind of um, bends over and kind of whispers something into into the um, into the halfling's ear. The halfling kind of runs off real quick, and he says, "If the six of you would follow me, please." He takes you down another hallway, and there is another room. And you, as you pass, there's there's lots of doors. Some of them open, most of them not. But as you look in, they're fairly they're just plain empty rooms. But on the floor of each of these rooms is a separate teleportation circle. And then he takes you into one, and he says, "If you will wait here, please, for a moment." And as he walks out, it's like perfect timing as the halfling comes in and. And they have a really quick, hushed conversation. And he steps in and says, and he he runs you down. The the for so this is going to be for our listeners who don't know how teleportation circle works. He tells you, you know, I'm going to cast this spell. You're going to have six seconds to walk through this portal, and then you're going to arrive to a waiting member of the Dark Hole Archive, and then they will direct you where you need to go after that. Do you have any questions? No? Perfect. We're going to keep our hands and feet to ourselves, and we are not going to say anything brash as he looks very pointedly at Patrice. Patrice uh, mimes zipping his mouth shut. Perfect. And puts his hands as tight to his sides as he can. You watch as he casts some somatic elements, some of the verbal components come out, and then you watch as... It kind of um, spirals out from the center, this kind of um, blackish light that emanates from the circle. And eventually it lights all the way up and you he- you feel like the overpressure of a pressure curtain that fills. And he says, go ahead. Uh, Patrice is going to watch to see what L does because he knows more things than yeah, L. L's going to walk through. And then Patrice will immediately follow L. Sid will hobble on her cane, on her Warhammer cane, through the portal, gimping. I guess it's not hobble, it's more gimp. Skull and Nessaway apparently follow, they're both gone. Sark's gonna pull his chain out just to flash the symbol of the Nine Brothers as he just falls sideways through the portal. <laughs> like waving, he does it. Bye! <laughs> so the six of you you and you find yourself in a very dark wooded room but it's not like cramped like the one you just left it's fairly large um as you look around it almost looks like the interior of i guess the closest it would be would be a larger scale almost like scandinavian meeting hall maybe something from northern germany but then as your eyes adjust to the darkness, because it's just natu- it's just uh, torchlight that is lighting up the space, you look around and you see aisles upon aisles of stacks of books that is just lined here. And waiting for you there is a um, normal-sized dragonborn which i now have to specify since i've created something <laughs> a normal sized dragonborn uh woman 
who is standing there in what appears to be some what it's almost like a more formal version of like the five wizards from Tolkien, right? Just the the wizards' robes, but with there's some like a stole, almost like a like a priest's Anglican priest's stole that has some markings on it. They are um, kind of like black and red. And she comes up to all of you and says, um, welcome to the Dark Hall Archives and welcome to Bergheim. Um, I am the liaison to this business that somehow found our teleportation circle. Um, where can I direct you? Um, supposed to meet with Lady Prosper and Lord Victor at some point. And as you say that, her eyes get fairly wide. And, oh, um, fairly distinguished. Yes, well, if you would follow me, please. And as you, um, you, she leads you kind of in, uh, it's fairly circuitous route through the archives. And you can just, you, it's that scent when you come in, you know, like when you're walking in a, um, like a, a rare bookstore, right? Just that, that smell of parchment and ink and dust and age for someone like L. It's a fairly lovely place to be right now. Yeah. Anyone looking at L, he's physically restraining himself from touching anything right now. And as, as you walk along and as you get closer to the front, you see Corell's with people studying you you begin to see more and more people um with books uh chatting very very hushed tones and eventually you get to the front um and you come through a fairly solid door that leads you to a lobby out in the front as you enter into the space this is much more warm and inviting not like the other one wasn't inviting but just in a different way and it was as you you walk through there there are large windows that are having natural light just kind of flow into the room your host um, opens the door and leads you out into a five-sided courtyard there you find um or sorry it's a six-sided one two three four five Six. These are some very old notes I'm running, uh, relying on right now. Um, you see, as you exit, and you, you're looking to the south as you exit. To the right, you see a building that looks like kind of a beefed up tavern with a just a ton of um, people. Um, absent-mindedly strumming on on lutes, playing flutes, and reciting poetry, and all these things. Uh, a little bit further down, you see um, a large tree that has kind of been grown out, and but it's so large that um, some space has been carved into it. And you uh, see groups of people in green and brown um, that are. Just kind of, you know, loitering, but it looks like they have, they all have bows and, and long swords. Um, directly across, you see what almost appears to be like kind of a non denominational temple, but at the same time, the entirety of it is covered in ivy. 
and flowers are blooming out of it. And you see um, different, like, priests and religious leaders. And then you also see what looks to be some druids hanging out there. And then to the left, you see a, um, a fairly solid... Like it almost looks like a, a the in uh, the in a keep that would be in like someplace on a um, off on the frontier of the marches, right? And here you're seeing um, standard just standard warriors, your fighters, your people who are going through the motions through their forms, and um, everyone here looks like they um, have kind of carry themselves with a soldierly bearing. And then la- the last one to the left, right next to you. Um, it almost takes the shape of an Eastern monastery as you watch people in um, kind of like yellow and green robes and um, baggy pants as they're walking around and having conversations. Shaved heads are very, fairly common. Um, and the dragon board says, this is, you're here in the center of Bergheim. This is where the guilds that form some of our most important functions of society have gathered um, for you. And she points more to the south and you can see kind of looming above all is a fairly large um, castle structure that is um, reminiscent of a... Um, oh, why am I drawing, drawing blanks here? Um, Bavarian castle. There's Schwanstein. Yeah. Where and it's it's gorgeous and she says that is where you need to go. As you walk over there there will be guards that but they will let you in. No one no one is stopped from entering the grounds of Lord Richter's castle. And she bids you a fair a, a fair day and goes back in. What do the six of you do? As as she walks away, I'll We'll turn around and be like, I'll see you soon. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Patrice um, squares up L as his eyes are drifting towards the library. Did you know, like, I just, in my head, Bearkheim was just like a private place to me. Like, I just thought it was just like where Prosperin and her sisters and Richter were i didn't know it was a society like where where are we can you tell me more you seem like you would know we're on a plateau a plateau yes okay that's where bergheim is popped out of the ether about 20 years ago with a with a whole society and taverns and bards and fire lord richter right like yeah what i've heard that all of this existed there too and they just recently decided to come join us from wherever they were before so the manager has an organization that he operates within a society okay or richter just had a society that's the part that's new to me i thought i just assumed we were going to see i didn't know we were going to experience a new cult a new literally new culture it just got here but it's an old culture at the same new oldish newish newish oldish you know what i'm getting at right Sid? yep 
it, it, it was here before that too. And then it wasn't. And now it is again. I think I just said that, didn't I? But now that it now that it's disappeared and reappeared once, it could really technically be anywhere that it wants to be. Geographically. Do you think that's up to Lord Richter, or do you think that like it's up to Verkheim? You keep referring to it as if it's its own, if it's sentient, in a way. It wants. I mean, to. I don't know that it's not. Pretty sure we've heard of Stranger Things. We fought a house. We did fight a house with chicken legs <sighs> and dead, <laughs> dead things inside, and like. Yeah, dead gods is never a good sign. We should probably not keep the one that we're supposed to see waiting. Lead on, Sark. This is why I don't talk often. <laughs> I follow him. Lockstep. Same. So as, as you walk through the town, um, it is the most diverse place that you have been. Right. There are members of every species that you have encountered, plus some that you haven't seen before. Uh, and it's just it seems that everyone here seems to work for a goal. And there seems to be a sense of pride and space and place. And everyone is not quite Stepford Wives happy, but happy. Right. <laughs> I don't want it to seem like it's a weird cult. Um, I'm glad you put the caveat in. Yeah. Because it's starting to feel like a weird cult. (laughs) Sark does not need to be paranoid. Any more paranoid than he already is meeting with these people. And so you make it to... And you realize that this is a fairly... It's not Tinkermere size. But it's big. It's a big city. And as you get to... You begin to climb up. You don't. You didn't realize it, but the the castle itself sits up on a hill just slightly. And as you the the city proper ends, and you walk towards the castle, you realize that the castle of Lord Richter sits on the edge of the plateau. And as you look out, you can see that mists seem to hug the the sheer cliffside of the plateau. You get up to the walls. You recognize the uniform of those that were the fighters and warriors. It's kind of their, they wear a red and black uh, uniform. They don't stop you. Um, it seems that there's a actually a fairly ste- steady level of traffic coming in and out of this space. And um, as you walk in to the uh, to the castle proper, you see kind of scurrying a little gnome. Uh, man, and he kind of skirts to a stop, walks up to you, and in a very hurried voice, he says, Hello, hello, hello. Um, I am Lord Richter's Mayor Domo. Um, who can I direct you to today? So you're the mayor? Hmm. I'm Lord Richter asked us to come speak with them, but is he's the mayor? We're Prosperin's new. Retainers. That word. Yes, um, yes, 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 yes. Please follow me. And he uh, he takes you not very far down the hallway. Um, you see one door that opens up 
to the right and it's a fairly grand dining room but he takes you to a door to the left and it's very reminiscent of say a um like a a lounge in like in morocco like small small soft uh chairs that are that are more bags than chairs rugs everywhere low-lying tables it's very hum it's very comforting very welcoming and he says he says i will be back with uh lady prosperin and the lord victor presently and he scurries off um i'm going to retainers oh. my first thought was private army and that wasn't quite right it's not wrong either. It's pretty cool to be like shown around by the mayor. It's not the mayor. It's not Mayor Domo. Mayor Domo? Yeah, his name's Domo. No. It's a very fancier, fancy, proper butler with more responsibility. He's the manager of the household. Yeah. Oh! He runs okay. The okay. All right. Patrice. Does that thing that um, Chevy Chase does in Three Amigos, where he pretends he gets the joke but doesn't get the joke? <laughs> Sark just kind of looks back and is like, "They're really fun to pickpocket for keys." As the as you are having this conversation, um, some staff comes in, sets up a um, a tea and coffee service. Um, you get this the smell of very 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 strong coffee and um, very um, fragrantly yet fruity fruit forward tea and there's a small thing of sandwiches that is one of those like triple tiered things that are set down and they all bow very graciously to you as they exit um, so yeah, I'm assuming you would just all of you would just grab your beverage of choice, have a few snacks. After about ten minutes or so, um, you hear the familiar timber of Prosperin. Hello, my friends. I'm so glad to see you again. What is she wearing today? Very much in the same mold, um, except for she's got a little bit more color to her today. Um, she's wearing the, um, she doesn't have her jacket on. So it's just, um, the slacks, um, waistcoat and a white t-shirt, but the, the waistcoat and the slacks are kind of like a, um, burgundy. Uh, um, her sleeves are rolled up to her elbows. Um, she doesn't have her, her like Bolero hat on. So it's just her bald pate with her horns, um, shooting skyward. And you notice that it's not just her face where the color transitions, it's also on her arms, about halfway down her forearms. You watch as the white transforms back into black. Um, and she is standing there, and she is twirling um, what looks to be a wand of some kind. And and it's not just like her hands that do it. There's, there's a level of arcaneness there as well that is just kind of free-flowing from her. And you sense a comfortability of her that just kind of settles as she walks into her space and she just kind of floats down into a chair and you watch as she draws a cup of and it's pouring coffee as it floats over to her and she grabs it and says 
my father will be here soon. So, um, how do you find our fair city? I'm impressed we got L out of the archive. Bless you. Good zoom time. It's only because we were coming here. Some someday, my young friend, I will take you there, and I will also take you to our restricted section. You are a man I can tell who would appreciate some of the texts that we have. That looks giddy. <laughs> so does Dustin. <laughs> I will tell you, um, over the last 50 years or so, I have uh, spent quite a bit of time there. Been, been a haven when the worst has happened and also a place of celebration. So I've, I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. How is the ale of Bearheim? The ale is not the best. Uh, oh. But I will say that our spirits are second to none. You may not know, as you were new, um, but this is just one of three cities here in on the plateau. And we have a fairly sizable group of distillers here on the on the plateau. Including one that is, well, let's just say they 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 don't like being close to the ground. Okay. Prospering were all all three cities. Um, it was the entire plateau that was not on this plane, correct? Oh yes, the whole city. This is well to tell you this. And she kind of she you watch as she pulls out a pocket watch and she says, "You know what? We have some time." And she settles in and long, long ago, my father needed a place to separate himself from society. He had created something that had some long lasting repercussions and people were seeking him out. Eventually, he settled here where this castle has now been built. After time, more and more time came, those who were desolate, those who were seeking protection and hiding from those who sought to harm them, they heard of a man on a high plateau, and they just started to gather. He wanted nothing to do with their leadership, or with leadership of these people, but he would not turn them away. Eventually after centuries his just natural charisma began to give way to leadership and a acceptance of the order of things and he began to take on a more we'll say almost patriarchal role as in a, a fatherly figure and as the plateau has a very unique set of climbs these new cities begin to take form. Eventually, the threat of those that sought my father came back around. And he knew that the only way to separate himself and to protect his people, because that's what he saw them now as, were his people, was to protect them by getting them away from this entire plane. And he created 
a pocket dimension where the plateau would exist in peace. And it existed there for 1,500 years. And it wasn't until one of our exploratory groups that we would send out from now and again had found, actually found the people that were seeking my father. And in collaboration, they brought down a group. And because they needed our help, we brought back the plateau to its original location about 20 years ago. And now it still sits as a place that will accept those who are desolate, who are destitute, who are hiding, who are, are marginalized. We welcome them all. How did they get here? It cost us uh, 50 platinum apiece. <laughs> yeah, most people walk. Oh, yeah, that, that would be a lot easier. Mm-hmm. They make they make the climb up the the the, the stairs that we have along the sides of the of the plateau. They also wanted to know if the plateau is sapient. Uh, as far as I know, it's not. Um, it's not something that my father has ever talked about. I'm pretty sure it's. I'm pretty sure it's not. That is a good question. I, you know, the more I talk to you, I like you, youngster. <laughs> I surprise myself sometimes, too. <laughs> you know, Prosperin? Yes. That, that story reminds me a lot of what I've heard of how Haven came to be. And as you ask that question, you hear the deep, gravelly voice say, there are a lot of similarities between Haven and myself. And it, the, the Lord Richter walks in. And he is very much in the same, the same standard that uh, that he he was when you first met him. Uh, hood, fairly far forward, uh, cloth covering up all the way up to the base of his eyes, um, very much in shadow. You ba- you can barely see any kind of skin showing from from him at all. I tend to leave the stories of Haven P because the delicious differences of stories about how that city was founded are just beautiful to me. But there we do serve similar missions. I'm just a little bit more forceful and in front of my protection than those that work on behalf of Haven. Patrice nods knowingly. Thank you all for coming. Um, as we speak, rooms are being prepared if you need to stay in the evening. But the reason I've brought you here is after discussion with... And he looks at Ellen and Sark says, with your boss. We have a thing here that I think would be of interest in your current tasking. Would you care to follow me? That was immediately on his feet. <laughs> he, uh, he leads you and he just, he's kind of, 
He's doing one of those like nobleman things as he's walking and he's telling you about the friezes and this painting and this sculpture and who this person was that is here. And, and he is encyclopedic in his knowledge. Like at no point it, it does it ever cross your mind that he's not telling the truth or that he is um, that he doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about. And eventually he gets to a door. And that's where we'll take our second break. And we will pick up here in just a few moments as the Lord Richter gives us a story about the door. Welcome back, everybody, to Campaigns Concoctions. Um, I had something and I just lost it. God damn it. So there we go. Drinks. <laughs> um, I was over there trying to figure out what I wanted to go with passion fruit syrup. And I said, man, I'm going to make a marvelous mistake. And that's what I did. So I got two ounces of uh, Old Tom, Ransom Old Tom Gin, uh, half an ounce of coffee liqueur, um, Probably about an ounce of the uh, passion fruit syrup that I made with demerara syrup. Um, by the way, if you've never made passion fruit syrup, holy shit, does it taste good? And um, I put it. I expressed a uh, a lemon on top of it, and I garnished with a dried pineapple. And I think it tastes like a pretty good mistake. I'm trying. I don't think the ratios can be played with a little bit. Yeah, it's I, gone. it definitely. We're out of old Tom Gin though, so I'm gonna have to figure out some other way to mess with it. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm really enjoying it. Not as much as I enjoyed John's drink, but you know, that cheating bastard. Dude, I'm so happy with this cocktail. It is so fucking good. Uh, so I'm calling this cocktail Tongue Tied. Uh, tied spelled T H A I apostrophe D. Because why would you not? Um, it is alcoholic Thai tea. Uh, so I took um, French Armagnac, uh, VS Armagnac, um, infused it for about 24 hours with Thai tea cold infusion. Just put a bunch of Armagnac in a container, uh, 10 to 1 ratio of by weight of um, uh, Thai tea in there, put a lid on it, stick it in the fridge 24 hours. Um, so two ounces of the Thai tea infused Armagnac, half an ounce of Montenegro, and then I'm experimenting currently with diluting the condensed milk just a little bit because it comes out so thick. So right now I'm at an eight to one dilution ratio on condensed milk with just warm water. Um, I think that's loosened it up enough that I'll be able to get the effect that I want. Ultimately, the final cocktail will have boba balls in the bottom. Um, I just don't have a straw big enough for the boba balls to go through currently, uh, which will make this cocktail even more dangerous when you have a straw the size of a boba ball. Um, but it is literally just boba balls in the bottom, ice on top, 
slightly diluted condensed milk into the glass, uh, in a Collins glass, by the way. Um, and then uh, the batch on top of it. Um, uh, you don't need to dilute the batch at all. What I did was I just put the uh, Titi-infused Armagnac in a mixing glass, put the Montenegro in there and stirred it with no ice just to mix it up together and then just poured it right in on the top. Um, and you get that nice swirl in between the milk and the uh, the nice bright red, um, reddish brown, I guess is more accurate, uh, Thai tea, Armagnac. I think the boba um, balls will add a lot to the aesthetic. Yes, because, aesthetically um, it'll look beautiful. The color is just a little off-putting. It's Thai tea. The, it looks like Thai tea. It does. But if oh, you yeah, have the, the, the dark boba yeah, balls the in bottom, there, I yeah. think it will look better. Yes, it, it will. will. And also, if I had poured it the way that I want to, it would be black boba balls at the bottom and then white to about halfway up. And then there would be a point in the middle where they'd meet and there's swirls of red and orange going down into the That's white milk. At. And then it goes orange, red, and then dark brown at the top. And then you stir it up yourself, you know, once once you've received the cocktail. What's the name um, again? Uh, Tongue-tied. Tongue-tied. All right, then. That sounds great to me. Um <laughs> So, I'm gonna make another one after this. <laughs> so, as the six of you roll along with the Lord Richter, and he is describing kind of what is happening, or what what you were passing as you were walking, and he eventually takes you to a fairly solid, uh, elaborate door, right? And it is padlocked, um, which he produces a fairly large skeleton type key that he opens it up with and as you hear the lock click and the door begins to creak open he turns to to the six of you and says our first stop here is my family crypt this is where my sons and daughters over the, the millennia have been laid to rest so I please ask that you show this space the respect that it is due. It's going to take us a little while to get through it. And he opens the door and he takes you down a spiral staircase about three floors. And then you exit into a space that is significantly cooler. And first off, you see a singular tomb that is made of granite and it's in a single single room and you're not sure how it's done but it seems like there's natural sunlight that is beamed down onto the stone itself and there are two doors one on either side of the room and he leads you off to the one to the left and as you go through it you come to realize that every time now that you have passed to this door there are lines of tombs hundreds of tombs in this space and if I could get everyone to make a perception check for me please first roll of the night first roll of the night so weird for you Morgan Ooh, I've rolled actually L's rolled already yep. L, L, I mean I was talking about for me in particular oh okay first group roll Oh, I thought that was a nine. Wait, well, they're next to each other. Yeah. 
Six and nine are next to each other. Yeah. <laughs> nice. On the dice that you bought for your nine-year-old. Mm. No, he's right though. Six and nine are next to each other. Mm -hmm. Is that bad? Is it okay? Roll. I think it was a. Mine are that way too. Just roll it again. Just roll it again. If you're not sure, just roll it again. I'm Patrice, okay with that. It was a nine. Patrice yeah. got a sixteen. Okay. Wait, uh, I forgot how to look at. It's been a month since I played. Hang on. Where's my perception? Uh, I got a twenty-two. Okay. Circa to 15. Okay. L got seven. Skel got a 24. Okay, so everyone but L's gonna notice this. L's just still focused on that, on the uh, the <laughs> archive and being intimidated by Prosperin, who is still with you. So the rest of you who, who are here notice that each that the the even though there are hundreds and hundreds of of tombs they seem to have been organized in a specific way there are they are all grouped Jesus. in groups of six there and you know what you know it's funny though that's the first time it's gone off since we've we've been playing tonight no it's several times you just yeah. didn't hear it. yeah so, but so you get the you get the you notice that there are six of them. There will be there's one in the center, and then six five others that are kind of around. They make a U shape, and you just keep walking past these alcoves that have them. Every once in a while, there's one that has more, but it seems that they are all paired in this in this manner of of six of them. Osprin, didn't you say you had five? Brothers and sisters in Lord Richter's family? At one point, yes. And she says, and she looks up, brothers and sisters and children are the terms that we use. None of us are actually blood relations. And she, you watch as, as there's a, like one of those kind of like exchanges of glances between the Lord Richter and, and Prosper and and she says, I, I would hope that you would understand that what I'm about to tell you is a little bit of, would, would require a little bit of discretion on your part, if you wouldn't mind. But the Lord Richter finds six orphans every generation that have the greatest potential. And he adopts them into his household. And they end up as the leaders of ministries here in in Bergheim, they are education and security and things of that nature. And we assist the Lord Richter in running of the plateau. And that is my siblings, if you will. My group of siblings included halflings. Asmars, elves, one very special human, and as you, since you're having this conversation, um, Sid, go ahead and roll another. For, actually, first roll a insight check, and then roll a perception check. 
Insight is, I believe, a flat 11. Another perception. Yeah. Uh, that is only a 13. Math rocks are hard. So, yeah, she's obviously, you know, you can feel the emotion as she's speaking, but you can't really intuit any kind of thing. But she stops um, as she's talking and Richter kind of stops with her. And, and you notice that they stop in, in one of the in one of the, the alcoves, the last alcoves that are that are occupied. And there are only two tombs here. There's one that she's standing next to the center one. And then there's one that is beginning the U. And she rests her hand. And you, Sid, kind of notice the touch is very light. There's almost... You can sense meaning in the touch of that tomb. It's the one that's the center one. Out of character. Fuck you, Morgan. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Uh-huh. Now, if I could get everyone in, to make another perception check. Oof. Nice. Drink, motherfuckers. Uh, that's first. Twice. Drink twice. Drink twice. Drink, motherfucker, drink. Okay. Motherfucker, drink. Yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. Yeah, that's, you could have had a worse cocktail to drink. Mm-hmm. That's lovely. All right. So what's what are we running? Uh, what did we roll? Perception? Yep. Really Tree's got a nat 20 to a 21. 21, okay. Sark got a nat 20 for 29. Okay. <laughs> Sid got a natural 19 for a 27. Okay. I got a 16. Okay. I got a 7. Scallop got a 7. <laughs> you got the drink? So, so L and and Skull don't don't catch it, but the the other three of you, um, you catch the name on the tomb. Is it Sherlene? It is Sherlene. Oh my God! Well done. You know what? That makes sense. I'm not convinced Skull knows the name of the boat. (laughs) 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 Just not. I'm I'm not buying it. So and, and she continues this, the the conversation around this, and sometimes the threat that threats that we face as members of the Lord Richter's family are external, and sometimes it's ourselves. And she, as she walks away, she gently drags her fingers across the top of the tomb, and she's looking at the floor, and you hear that simple click of her um, slightly healed boots as she begins to lead astray and um, everyone feels you feel a kind of way right like even if you don't know why you feel something like there there's a there's that energy that floats you know sometimes you can interpret it sometimes you can't you know but there's definitely a, a, a feeling an energy that that has been emanating here in this little does, alcove. does prosperin give off a sense of guilt. Make an insight check. That I would feel from specifically from my last. Nope. Two. Oh, I could. I also have luck. I'm gonna do the luck on this one. I did take that feat. Alright, that's much better. Um insight. 15. Very much so. 
there is a deep deep guilt that that just permeates her being as she finished the, those last sentences Sark is going to pause as they all kind of move a little bit and just kind of stick a hand out towards the tomb, not touching it, not really even entering the alcove, but just out contemplating it. And then out of his periphery, realizes he's going to lose everyone and do a shovel step to catch up. But he's just kind of sitting in that moment of feeling near the tomb. That's fair. Um... The Lady Prosperin has kind of just she after she gets out of the alcove, her steps begin to speed, and you hear that click of of heel on stone, and she's walking and walking and walking. And as the the six of you gather around him, you hear the Lord Richter say, That might have been the most painful loss that my family has suffered in 2,000 years. And the fact that she has come back from this says all you need to know about her tenacity. And then he he leads everyone on and you come into a, a very less ornate door. This one, though, is much more solid. And the Lord Richter says, this is why I have brought you here. If it was a little bit more in my forte, I would be studying this myself, but I knew of its importance and I tried to maintain it in a space and way that would benefit a future researcher. And honestly, I'm glad that it is those who work for my dear friend. And he opens the door. You go down a hallway. How is it that John opened a door right at the perfect time and it creaked? That was, thank you, sir. (laughs) Now we're doing radio. (laughs) Ambiance. So you walk down the hallway. Of the world. Right. (laughs) Sorry, Morgan. You come to the end of this like kind of natural stone hallway that has been that has been carved out. And you watch as the Lord Richter places his hand on what you thought was empty air. And then you watch as the air ripples, almost like water. And as you, as the ripples end and you look out, you see a room that is very big. Um, not quite hangar sized, but almost getting there. But as you look in, you see some familiar things. You see consoles that have flashing lights on them. You see displays that seem to be casting kind of a greenish glow. And you hear that gentle beeping sound. This looks very much like that hallway where you encountered, when you first entered the, the underneath the city, and then eventually encountered the extra large-sized dragonborn-type creatures. There's no portal here, though, so that's nice. But Richter says, 
early on in my self-imposed exile, I began to explore the intricate cave network that has been a part of this plateau since before my time. And I found this space. It was ancient before I was. It is confounding in its technological advance. And you watch as his gloved fingers snap and you watch as the invisible air parts in a kind of fluid motion and he guides the six of you in and as he begins to step onto from the natural stone to the floor you hear the clang of, of foot on metal and he says I believe that the six of you have a little bit more experience than I with this I haven't been down here in millennia so here Investigate as you see fits. My my child and I will stand here and await and assist if necessary, but I believe that the six of you have more knowledge than I do. He kind of stands back and, and places and kind of holds his hands behind his back. And <clears throat> what do the six of you do? Sir quietly and surreptitiously puts on both thoughts and prayers and then stands right off of L's right shoulder. I need um, I need Sark to make a wisdom saving throw, please. Is thoughts on when this happens? Uh, well, I'll, I'll say yes. Well, would you have put it on before you entered the space? That's the answer right there. I'm going to roll a D100 because it would be as I was following L in. Okay. That's a 15. So Four. it's a... No, that's the D100. That's a 15. That's probably not so no that's gonna sit that's gonna succeed that's the d100 roll hang on yeah so like it, it would be so we'd say we'll say that it, it came on before you entered the space okay well i i bounce back and forth okay never mind yeah we're gonna have had it picked in his head nope. uh, what is this no. it's 21 on the wisdom no. save okay so Sark, as you enter the space, you feel that what is now becoming that familiar sense as your something inside of you, in your in your long, long-held memories, is coming is trying to come to the forefront. It's trying, but for some reason, it's just not it's not coming to, right? And you feel it. There's something about these type of places that you know that you're deeply connected to, but you just can't get beyond that knowledge, right? So you are okay. You nothing nothing happens to you right now, other than that. So what else are you guys doing? 
Al is going to start tracing any cables he can find coming out of that of the control panel. Where did we go? We went through the portal? The extra planar R&D, the doors that were locked that we had the key to that we, the second time we went down there, one of the portals was active and we had to fight and all of the oversized. It. We didn't go in, right? No, we didn't go in. I just okay. dropped kicked one. I can't remember what happened. Door. Thank you. That, okay, okay, I remember now. <laughs> I could not remember. Okay. Sid, Sid's gonna, if we're going to go investigate, Sid's gonna cast um, false life and like give herself a buff. Patrice is going to stay near to L, and when L gets uh, close to doing stuff, he's going to cast Guidance on him. Okay. You get an extra D4. Um, as soon as Sark kind of picks up that Patrice is following L, he's going to go fight in the approximate middle of the room and just sit down and try and meditate or get in touch with stuff again. Okay. He doesn't know what he's doing with meditation. He's just going to go sit in the middle of the room and pretend like he's here. Mm-hmm. Go through the motions. <laughs> so, um, L, uh, go ahead and make an investigation check, please. With advantage? Uh, this isn't because it's magic. This you're just trying to trace things. So no, without advantage. That. That's better. Uh, that was that's a dirty twenty. Dirty 20? Okay. Nice. So, unlike the last one, the last room that you were in, where all of the cables seem to be coming out of either one box or coming to the um, to the portal itself, these seem to be going to very different spaces. Right? So, there is... <laughs> you'll follow one set of cables from each of the consoles, and there's six of them here, um, all go to one box, but the rest of the consoles have cables that go to very different spaces. And they all seem to go to almost like, it's like you would almost call it a junction box, right? Where there seems to be something, but like there's nothing that, and it lines up with the edges of the, um, the wall. And they're not like on the ground, right? So they are actually underneath like a mesh that you know that you would see in some sort of like like Hollywood director's version of a server room, right? Okay. Um if if they <coughs> the ones that go into the wall, if I'm gonna turn to Frostbright and Richter and say just you know how to get to the other side of these walls? Prosperin, uh, she doesn't. And the Lord Richter says, um, I think there may be some ways, but um, there are still some pretty significant caves that are, remain unexplored. Um, I have tried just to keep everything 
in the status quo. Does it look like they run through like a duct? Possibly one that I could fit in. Oh no! So when when they run into the to the the box, like it's a hard end of the wall, right? There's no like ducks or anything that you can see. There no may ducks. be something behind the box, but you can't see like where they would be going afterwards. Is this is that wall made out of the out of metal or out of the same stone that we found before? It's made out of metal. Can I tell if it's any, it's like a special kind of metal or if it's just normal, like sheet metal you would find somewhere or something? I'm just, I'm just trying to think of what kind of roll I want you to make. I have most of the toolkits too. <laughs> what toolkits do you have? Um... I mean, if you give me an hour, I can have any of them. <laughs> no, but this is what you would have right now. I have alchemist, smith, tinkers, and woodcarver's tools on me right now. All right, so because because you have the smith tools, um, we're going to say and you can make an investigation check uh, with advantage to see what kind of like what kind of setup this would be. Drink motherfucking drink. <laughs> I think I've just made this drink right now. We needed more right? drinks, apparently. <laughs> we needed more drinks. Okay. So that's a twenty-nine. Crap. So what you're what you were seeing and experiencing here seems that this is um currently beyond the scope of any smith or or alchemist or artificer to make right this is some sort of alloy that you don't understand but it seems extremely thin and it is somehow attached to the wall to the stone behind it is there a spot that of the wall that isn't near anything. I'd say yeah, like you could find one. Cool. Uh, can we guys cast a fireball on this? Yeah, the small one, not the big one. Firebolt. Sure. Yeah. I um. Uh. Right here. Right there, yeah. I, I pull my my right hand across my chest, and then I pull my left hand across my chest, right past the um, the 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 skull tattoo with the roses around it, and then I shoot one and then another from one hand to the other hand. Okay. Go ahead. And, I, I believe that's a spell attack roll, or a yeah, yeah. Hit objects. I believe. I'm on fire. First one is 10 plus whatever my thing is now. It's, it's hot. I just got this new road. I got a 21 on the first one. Okay. And another 21. Perfect. So both of these hit and they do, they hit pretty hard. Go ahead and roll some damage for me too. Okay. It's 
tens. Uh, four and seven. Okay. So, El, as you go up and, and inspect, you see that. Sorry, um, that's times two. Sorry, okay. I forgot. I'm not. I'm above level five now, so I get two d tens. So just times two that. So what is that? That's going to be twenty-two. 14. What was that? Twenty-two total damage. Thank you. Um, you want you you watch as these fire bolts hit, right, El? And then as you come up to investigate the the area, it does scorch the wall pretty solid, and it's there's not much like other than than cosmetic damage. You, you really don't see it. Um, but as you kind of look closer, you can see something about a gold coin's worth, where it is it is cut through the the metal, and you can see the bare stone behind it. How accurate can you be with those patries? As, as good as I just did. That's about it. I mean, like, I could, I could do it several times, and we could just see until I get it better. Like, sometimes they're better than others, but how bad is bad? I, I could. I've missed before, and I've hit other things. That's bad. Like, I'm dealing with the raw elemental fire from the weave. It's not an easy thing. <laughs> L starts to say something and then visibly decides better. <laughs> Opens his mouth. Can you do that in a line right here? Uh, yeah, I think I, I think I can do that. And so I, 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 I do my best to, to keep him about six inches apart along the line that he showed me. And I, I do one after another, boom, 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 each time pulling across my chest and saying an incantation as I'm doing it. Please, ca- please roll some attack rolls. How many? Well, how many are you doing? I do six. Okay. I have one natural one and one drink motherfucker, drink motherfucker 20. So that's two drink motherfuckers because I got a one and a 20. Oh, shit. (laughs) So, Johnny, we got this. Where's our Malort spray? (laughs) Right in front of me. Oh, you know what I bet's going to work really well on this? You missed your mouth on the first one. I got it halfway. (laughs) Which means he has to wear it now. Uh Uh-huh. Oh yeah, that completely neutralizes the taste of <laughs> of Malort. Um, I got the the lowest roll that wasn't a natural one was a sixteen. Okay. And then after that, I got a twenty six, a twenty seven, a thirty, and a thirty one. I need you to roll a d one hundred for me, please. This is for the natural one. That's an 85. Okay, you do not hit any of your compatriots. Yay! And okay. it just it just hits the ground before the wall. I meant to do that. <laughs> Sark at this point is like, okay, now fire's going alright, and just stands up to go hover around what's going on now. And I need you to roll damage, please. 
Alright. More dice. Need more tens. There's a ten, there's a ten, there's a ten, there's a ten. How many did I roll? Six? Yeah, okay. So I need that times two. And because you, you didn't hit them at the same spot, I'm going to need each individual damage. Oh, shit. Okay. So, from top to bottom. Okay. So, at the top, I hit 12, then 8, then 16, then 4. Then 18, then six hit the floor. Okay. So L, as you go up and look at these now, you notice that yes, there's there's a very similar scorching pattern, but it doesn't seem to do have done enough damage to match what you had seen the first time where the two hit in the same space. How was that? Not good enough. I have, I have larger, I can do more fire. Do you want a lot of fire? If we back up, it should be okay. What's everyone's passive perception? 19. 18. Was it 10 plus 10 proficiency? Plus perception. Yeah. 10 plus, plus perception. Yeah, 15. Okay. 11. <laughs> <laughs> of course it is. Got this super wise motherfucker over here. <laughs> yeah. Patrice? Uh, mine is an 11 as well. Okay. Sark, Sark awesome. and Sid, you begin to hear some something kind of like winding up, kind of like... And that's what we'll pick up next session. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Initiative. Good times, yes. good times. You guys keep just giving me good chances to end on end on cliffhangers, so I'm gonna fucking take them, right? No, it was fucking brilliant. It was brilliant. So, thank you as always, everyone, for joining us on this adventure of cooperative storytelling. If you want to get with us as you can, point, 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 point down. Links in the in the in the show notes. You can join us on Discord and on Instagram. Those are the best places to get with us, especially the Instagram. All of our links are there, but that you just click the interwebby link below, um, and Thank you. Uh, anyone got any party shots? Uh, be on the lookout for um, the new drink menu. But otherwise, uh, oh, thank you to Count Zero, Z-I-R-O, on Instagram for being an awesome coworker and helping me come up with some great fucking ideas for cocktails. Uh, we're going to try to get him on here in the not too distant future maybe you know a one shot or something like that when we have a few people who can't make it we'll get him on here ben hameen from my work benjamin ah. uh, yes uh would love to have him on here he's never played any ttrpg before but we rolled him a wizard we rolled him a gith wizard and i think he would be a i'm not gonna say it out loud uh, I think it'd be better as a surprise. I have a, I have a character idea in mind for him that I have run past him, and he is 
exuberantly enthusiastically on board. So, yeah, just big shout out to my buddy. All right. Uh, again, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, just real quick, if you find yourself in Temecula, California, I'm going to these guys a shout out. The Distillery 36522 at Oak Mountain Winery. Um, the bartenders were amazing. Uh, so if you can go re- go soon, uh, worth your time. Very fun. Uh, they were amazing. So, yeah. Nice. Awesome. Awesome. Well, as always, thank you so much for joining us. And until next time, drink well. Drink well. Oh.